0: I wish you could have been with me this past week. I got an email, really interesting email. Um, I don't get a lot of these and uh, it's from a couple of young ladies. They uh, work for a church north of Pottstown and uh, they actually, they were like, you know, we hear your church is doing some interesting things and they had heard it from a friend of a friend, you know, one of those kind of connections. And they asked me if I would come talk with them about what God was doing at our church. And, you know, I thought it'd last 40 minutes maybe, you know, like uh coffee and just kind of talking. And, and as I kind of enrolled what's happened over the last uh, year and a little earlier than that, um, the, it ended up taking two and a half hours as they asked me questions about what they saw through my story at Parker Ford and I wish you just could have been there to see their faces at points they were like wow this is an amazing church who are these amazing people uh, you're, you're actually praying like what does that have to do and why, why are we giving beyond the four walls of our church they were asking these questions that was really really neat so I wish you could have been there uh, we're going to take that two and a half hours and we're going to put it into like ten minutes now or something you know so uh, it's going to be a little tight. There's there's a couple things I want to share with you. First off, I want to share, you know, what God taught me. kind of the strategy behind this year, I thought it took a little more definitiveness than just you're going to go pray. You know, prayer means a lot of things. Love means a lot of things, right? When you love somebody, you can love them like I love Shelby, or you can love them like I love Noah or Maggie, my kids, or you can love them like I love my great aunt, you know, and those are all very different types of loves, right? And and prayer is very different like that, and so there's a lot of different types of prayer. So when we got started with this year, God kind of convinced me um, through somebody who kind of shared with me that there was going to be three things that were going to be important. And these are the words. One is to listen. The second is to care. And then the third is to connect. So listen, care, connect. And the first was to listen to God. And just honestly, to open the the scriptures and to open journals. And I would sit in the morning and I would open up my Bible and I would open up our prayer directory. I had a whole list of all of your names. And I had a, a map of Pottstown, just the whole thing laid out in front of me. And I would pray and I would say, okay, God, what do you want to do? and uh, sometimes there were names that would come up on that list, and I would pray through whole different groups of people. For a while I was praying through every intercessor in our church. We have people who are gifted with a gift of intercession or prayer, not just me, but others, and I would pray for them, because it seemed like their lives were struggling with different things, and so we would pray for them, and that was just kind of one way that the Lord led, and so we would listen, and there was this time of listening that would take place, and then the second was that I was supposed to care, and I realized during this time that, you know, Potsdam is filled with abandoned people. I spent yesterday for about three or four hours on high street with barb Heyman and my daughter uh, sophie and we were doing all this face painting and stuff representing journey kids and uh you you saw some people walk by that were abandoned you know you could just tell they were not people there was nobody around them they were they're potentially homeless you're never quite sure what the situation is we'd offer free water and this that and the other thing but you know the most abandoned person in potstown is not any of those people any of the orphans it's actually god in fact, he's abandoned our region. He's abandoned in his world. Um, and as I started to pray, I realized that God's heart was broken. In two weeks ago, when we talked about Hosea, you heard a little bit about that because what I think Hosea echoed with his heart was the heart of our God who is broken over our sin and our failure and some of the difficulties. So one of the things I learned really closely is just how much God feels this whole thing, you know, this relationship with us. I would never have guessed that. I think prayer is the only way you connect with that spiritual uh The the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and and we start to feel his pain. Um, That's a strange feeling, right? We don't usually think of God as being in pain, but the Bible actually refers to him like that. And I learned to take that seriously. And the third area was that I learned that the most important level of spiritual warfare, the most important thing we're going to ever do in our lives is connect with God. The most important thing we can do for our kids in order to protect them, the most important thing we can do for Potsdam as far as connecting it spiritually is personally to connect with God and to spend time intimately coming to understand his heart for our heart. And there's this just relational connectedness that he so longs for that I easily un, um, underestimate or misunderstand. And so those are the three things that over the course of this year I've spent my time doing, honestly, listening, um, caring and just letting my heart be broken for what breaks God's heart and letting uh, let my heart break for what his heart is going through as he's experiencing these difficult things that we put him through as human beings. And then third, just that that third level of connection. Um, that said, I want to walk through what we saw happen, and I'm going to try to be as quick as possible because we are out of time on a day when we had communion and all these different things. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, it says uh, there's this Lord's Prayer, and the third line of it, the inmates are escaping. You can hear it, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, there's this third line, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, one of the things about Pottstown is that it doesn't all have God's will attached to it. We often, if we get cancer or we have some sort of sickness, we say, well, you know, this is God's will and I'm going to walk through it. And to some extent, there's some truth to that. But some of the things we experience are not God's will. They're just not. You know, when I look at the drug deals on my street, you think God wants that to happen? That's not what he wanted. And Jesus came and said, you know, we want the kingdom of God to come close to earth and it's available. And I looked at my city and your city, the surrounding region, and said, you know, I don't think that what we're experiencing around us is God's will. This isn't what God ever wanted for our region. Now, some of the things that have happened, he's working through and he's doing all sorts of stuff. But you know, this wasn't God's direction, and we haven't listened to him all that closely. The kingdom of God is is kind of missing. And so we started to pray, and, you know, it's interesting. As soon as I started praying, I realized that in the midst of all of these different community organizations, churches, and this, that, and the other thing, that maybe we kind of feel like our dead. There's actually spiritual life in them in individual people. And I started to pray, and people came out of the woodwork. Uh, you know, at one point, I actually found myself sitting in a Baptist church with a Presbyterian minister, a United Church of Christ minister, somebody who didn't, I don't know that they went to church, and myself, a brethren pastor. You know, I mean, we we had this whole group. It almost sounded like one of those jokes, right? You know, these three guys walk into a bar. Instead, we walked into a church, and we started praying. And when we started to pray, we realized, like, at the cluster of religious communities in Pottstown, which is kind of the the gigantic uh, ministry that cares for all the poor people uh, in Pottstown, or maybe it's the Salvation Army. There are these people who are really serious about seeking God, and they, they were lacking they had this lack of energy in their lives and we started to form these prayer groups and you know it, it got to the point where there were eight prayer groups a month some of them meeting weekly some of them every other week some of them once a month but we had eight prayer groups a month and still most of those are going on with all sorts of different people some of them from inside Parker Ford, some from outside And amazing things did start to happen. You know, I heard from several pastors who joined those groups. You know, I was thinking about quitting the ministry altogether. I don't know if you know this, but the average pastor lasts in a church for four years in the United States. That means Tim and I are beating the average. We've been here almost five this August. And the average pastor doesn't stay in his vocation for longer than 10 years. We usually find something else to do in this world because it can be a really trying job. And these guys were having difficulty and they were running into those dry spells. You just could feel it that it's nice to think you want to be uh, motivated to do ministry and all of this, but your heart if it 's not actually connected to god 's and you 're not walking with other people who are on fire for God, well then there isn 't this energy to your faith and these men and women who I talked with, they started to say, you know we were looking for something more, and we 're finding it in this spiritual connectedness that, that, that we 're meeting in as a group. One of our groups actually started to die because one of the one of the people in it moved out of the area got a job out of the area, and the other person I thought well maybe they 'll just drift off, you know how things are they just There's a time and they go away. And then I got an email two weeks ago and the guy said, hey, whatever we do, we can't stop this. We got to keep a prayer group going. You know, I know your year of prayer is ending, but how are we going to pray? Because my ministry needs this and the the ministry I'm supporting on King Street in Pottstown needs this. How are we going to keep going seeking God for the city? And I was just absolutely blessed because that wasn't me going, hey, do you want to pray? That was him saying, you, you got to not leave me. I'm out here. I need you. And one of the things our church has just offered is a support line for all sorts of people who are in ministry, from the Salvation Army to First Baptist Church where we had a prayer meeting, to the cluster, to a psychologist's office down the street from there, a bunch of different churches that we prayed over. It just goes on and on and on. And the encouragement that these people felt with the thought that somebody out there was willing to give of their church and of their pastors, pastoral staff to support like this, it was absolutely mind-blowing. And, and I think as much as the prayer connected with them, sometimes it was the heart of our church behind that prayer going, oh, there are people who are interested in making sure other churches do well. You know, the kingdom of God is not made up of Parker Ford Church, and we say that often here, but that's not a very normal thought, right? We have to fight a kind of competitiveness in ourselves that says what we do needs to be the biggest thing, the best thing, the most important thing. And that's not actually accurate. What God wants is for his kingdom to be the biggest thing, and that might mean that another church does well, and we have to make sure that church does well. And what we saw in these groups is that actually started to take place interestingly one of the groups that we started was a pastor's group and i think that was maybe the most most interesting with all of these different pastors coming together and sharing what happens in their church and each month we we ask okay what would you need prayer for for some pastor and we go to their church and we pray for them and it was absolutely amazing as some of their hearts came out over the last year as their their brokenness and some of the difficulties that are happening in in the church communities today so that's just one example there's a whole bunch of stuff we could talk about but that's the kingdom of god and i realized that he He's starting to connect dot to dots, little bits of light in the middle of darkness. And as they connect, those lights grow a little brighter, you know, and a little brighter and a little brighter until I hope someday to see a much more illuminated Pottstown because of what we're doing right now. I think it's still growing, but it's absolutely interesting to just see, encourage people after they were so discouraged. And I see a whole uh, remarkable amount of change. Some people have even come to our church and asked for prayer from the community here. So that's just one level of what God was doing. I want to talk a little bit about about prayer as well and just specifically you know we say prayer is is kind of a different thing um it can mean different things and in matthew chapter 7 you find these words it says ask and it will be given you seek and you will find a knock and the door will be opened to you've heard those words right you know, the, the Bible says that when we, the, the primary way for us to expect God to move is when we ask of God to do something for us to sit back and wait for him to move. And we see how it happens. And it might happen through somebody else's gift. It might happen through a sermon that somebody else preaches. But just like Tim kind of compared the Charles Finney Nash model, you know, that's what the body of Christ is all about, right? If we could see God move like that, and we have started to, it would be absolutely amazing. When we seek the Lord and then he starts to move, then we have the possibility of receiving what he does, and then we have the great honor of thanking him for it. Now, just to give you an idea about this, we started a prayer group with our elders in the middle of this year. And just one of the things that happened was that we started to have people come out from Parker Ford Church and need prayer. And so on a Sunday afternoon, we set aside time as elders, and we would pray with people. And a lot of you have received this prayer, but what's amazing is all of the different things we can look back on and see that happened because of that. Sometimes we saw people literally physically being healed. We saw a bone get fixed. We saw somebody with tremendous pain. The pain just kind of went away. We had this, this, this situation that just chronic pain that went, went away. And then we had, a, we had a whole set of families that needed reconciliation. We saw marriages reconciled. We saw uh, different relationships come. Back together. We saw God move in these amazing ways, whereas we prayed, He just started to do that. None of them were like the crutches fell away. You know, those services. I forget. I saw a Steve Martin movie when I was a kid about him being this big televangelist, you know, and in the, in the, in the, the crutches fell away and people walked off the stage who were paralytics beforehand or something. And it wasn't like that. But when we look back over time, we could see over and over again that God was moving and we could see healing. We saw three people come to Christ through this ministry this year that I know of, and I'm not sure of all the others. We saw a variety of different things that were just absolutely amazing. What's even maybe more interesting, too, is that, you know, there's this principle in Scripture of, God, of when we sow... Later on, something happens. When we when we take a step of faith, we put out in front of God, we say, okay, Lord, we're going to do this. We're going to pray for a while, and we're going to see what you do. You know, for a while, we had all of these infected sicknesses. These, these people would go into surgery, and they'd be very small surgeries, and they'd end up being in the hospital for like a week. That happened all across our church for three months. We started to pray for that. It went away completely. After three months, we didn't have any of that. For like six, nine months, every surgery went just absolutely the way the doctors thought. And literally for three months, I went through every person who went into a hospital and said they had extended visits, okay? Once once they should have gone home, they were staying. That was just one example of the fact that once we started to pray and ask God, he changed the game around here. Another thing was our budget. I, I don't like to talk a bunch about money, but in 2012, and I've asked people, uh, Jade. Most predominantly one of our elders. I've asked about our, our history, but from the time I got here, we would budget like up here financially, and we would take in like this much, you know, always a, a little bit less than what we budgeted, and then we would spend this much. We'd always end up in the black as far as our spending versus our intake, but our budget was up here. 2012 is actually the first uh, year that anybody in our church can remember, uh, meeting our budget completely and then going into excess. We were actually so so far in the black. We were much better in 2012 than any other year previously. Financially, it was the best year we can remember. And I have no idea why that is except to say thank God thank God and to say he listens to prayer. Um, we saw numerical growth. We saw people come to Christ in this year. We saw all sorts of spiritual growth and when you talk to our deacons and elders, what we see around here is that there's a whole other generation of leadership participating and stepping in and taking responsibility for things that used to be a whole previous generations to, to, to handle. And so we see all sorts of blessings of God moving. Our church has been blessed and potstown has been blessed in the middle of this. And so what we see is the kingdom of God. That means the kingdom of God's getting closer because God's will is getting done more effectively, right? Isn't that a great picture? I mean, that's, you know, Tim says, I don't like to talk about these things. And sometimes I feel like it's a little bit like inviting you into my inner life. I don't like that feeling personally. You know, we had people over, Russ and Betty Hendrickson from the first service last night, and they really wanted to hang out with our kids. And we were like, you know, let's let the kids play outside or something, you know? And eventually they came in and they said, let's go to the other room. And and Russ said, no, let's sit in in the dining room and let's eat together. And I was like, oh, man, one of my kids is going to lick their plate. You know, they're going to, we're going to have this great raspberry pie or strawberry pie, rather, and it's going to, you know, and and it was just, Russ said, well, you know what, I'll lick my plate too. You know, it'll be fine. Um, And we sat there, but I don't like that feeling, you know, because kids are unpredictable and God is unpredictable. And frankly, when you start praying, you feel yourself being small. We're nothing more than children in the eyes of our God, right? And this year was tremendously humbling. I realized my words have very little effect compared to what I thought they would like. Life, and I realized that God's word has a lot more effectiveness than I thought it did. His kingdom comes because we ask and because he starts to give and we receive, and then we need to thank him. And that's the primary way that God tends to work. And that's one of the reasons why our church decided to do this. You know, in Galatians, there's a passage of scripture. I just want to read it for you. You don't have to turn there, you can listen to it. But Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 7, reads this way It says, Do not be deceived, excuse me, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, to let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, what we put out there and say, God, please bless Years later, we can look back, and we don't even know how he's going to bless, but we can say, you know what, we've seen magnificent change. We see remarkable change. And the the person to thank for that is not any human being. It's not any of our prayer warriors. The person to thank is God, right? At that moment, we go, praise God, because he's moving. And this is evidence, again, that he can reach inside somebody's life. You know, I I had a moment this past year where I... I I saw somebody come to Christ just from pure communication with Jesus in their living room, just having a conversation. And we had talked with them as pastors, but they finally came to Christ and said, maybe that's what this is, this whole center of this religious experience is meeting Jesus. And somehow that happened supernaturally without any one of us, our deacons, elders, pastors. Nobody was even around. And I thought, you know, God moving in this way as we're praying, as we're walking up and down the streets of Potsdam, meeting in these eight different prayer groups and asking God to move. And then we see him doing this and setting somebody free to know his son. What an amazing gift. There's a third category, and then we've got to go because it is late. And that, that third category I want to talk about is our shepherding ministry. That's what it means to be a pastor. You know, shepherd Besides being one of the fivefold ministries Tim talked about, it's the most generic, generically used word for leadership in the Bible. It starts with Moses in the Old Testament was a shepherd, and then he was this great leader. David, the king, was a shepherd, and it goes on and on. So we're all called the shepherd. You know, at, at least as pastors, that's our call. At the second half of the Lord's Prayer, it reads this way. It says, Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, we need to make sure as shepherds that the people we care for have what they need as far as food, and I take that to mean spiritual food, and we have grace flowing around here and that we have absolutely this sense of God direction. He's directing people's lives, not just our church's life, but individual human beings and where they're supposed to go, and we're building the kingdom by submitting to Christ and listening to what he's doing and asking him to do this amazing work, and in the midst of that, people are having their needs met. And, you know, the third layer of this is that I think really shepherding has worked much better at Parker Ford. We've asked all across our church, and I've said, okay, do you feel less pastored? Because we've given one of our pastors to prayer in Pastoring?" And what's turned out is it's actually the opposite. Most people feel like they're better pastored in 2013 and the end of 2012 than they did previous to that. And that's really something when you think we're going to give from in here to out there, but then the people in here are the ones who feel blessed. We have a lot of great things as far as teaching going on. The word is getting out. The bread is on the table. We have forgiveness. And over and over again in the course of this year as we've prayed, we've seen people actually experience forgiveness that was supernatural and go, wow, God is moving. He's absolutely supernaturally available to provide his grace and independent lives. And then there's that third layer where we we need God's direction. We see it all across this church restarting our building plan, people finding individual focus, finding their niches and going, okay, this is what I'm good at personally. And Acts chapter six, one of the reasons why we went through this year was because of Acts chapter six, where these, these widows aren't being fed in the early church. And we uh, read that passage and it said specifically this. It said, we need to set some people apart to make sure that people get fed because there are these needs in our pastors, our leaders. And the the important thing is that we not give up praying and not give up experiencing, studying, and teaching the Word of God. And what I want th- to say in closing this morning is that we really appreciate Tim and I because we think our leadership has synergized around this year. We think our pastoral staff is much better. We think Tim and I were work, working together. This whole thing is, has, has helped our gifts to escape some of the bounds that, that churches can put on a pastor's gifts that aren't actually what they're called to, but just kind of the thing that a church does because it needs to function. You guys have let us escape out of that, and we've seen the grace flow because of it, and it's absolutely amazing. And what we've seen is that prayer and the word have flourished during that time. You know, underneath all of this direction-finding and forgiveness and the word of God are, are these two things the word of God and what he's actually saying in prayer. And what we think is this year, Parker Ford Church has gotten a lot healthier. And most of our leaders who I've asked have said the same thing. We believe because you've taken the step of faith and trusting us in these ways, we believe that you've sown into something that God is helping us to reap. And as a church, we're blessed. And so, you know, the last thing I want to say is, honestly, thank you. You know, some of you weren't here a year ago and you don't even know how big a faith step this was. But for others of you, you sat here going, really, we're going to do this? This just doesn't make any sense. What other church has ever done this? Is this on the way? I mean, one one woman came to Shelby and asked, is is Josh just kind of heading out the door and not going to be a pastor at Parker Ford anymore because it's kind of sounded like he's halfway out, you know. And that wasn't it at all, but that's what it sounded like a year ago. And to see how God brought it all back together, I just want to thank you for your faith. And I think it's honored God, and I think it's honored the DNA he puts on people's lives. And I think it's actually built the kingdom of God and have been hugely blessed. I felt set free by this year, not, not tied down by it. So thank you very much. It's 25 after 12, and that means we need to end. And I'm going to cut the last song, and we're going to pray. But if you have any more questions, again, that conversation with those two young ladies north past it took two and a half hours. That gives you an idea. I have a couple journals up here of things that I just filled up. Uh, You know, I'm not going to hand these to you because they're journals. That means only I get to read them. But you know, that's how much material there was for God just working, people coming to Christ, and all of these different things. So, uh, if you have a desire to have more conversation about this. I just want you to know I'm available. Would love to share with you. Join me in prayer and closing.